Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. Um, today's episode is a bit weird. Um, it's, a, it's a bit of a weird day. It's a bit of a weird feeling. I'm going to talk with Christian Candler uh, about uh, the final. My, my day, Sunday, the final was, was weird, uh, as I'm sure it was for all of you, and I'm sure we all have uh, mixed emotions about it. And uh, Christian and I will talk uh, about that. And, um, you know, for many of you, you set out from all over the world to go to Wembley uh, to, to see the match. Or you woke up, um, whether it was Sunday or Monday, where you live to, to watch the match and, and be a part of it. I had the opportunity to, uh, to join uh, a few others down at the Fox and Hounds pub in Los Angeles. And so that meant I left my house about 5.30 a.m., uh, drove down there, got there just in time for the game, um, walk into a, a, a sea of Man United fans and six Southampton fans who immediately welcomed me over, had never met me before. And, uh, you know, I had a fantastic time with those guys. And there's more on that, uh, you know, while I'm talking to Christian, so I won't go into it too much here. But uh, ultimately, you know, uh, we all know how the match ends. Uh, we all know how we felt when it happened. And, uh, you know, uh, I can still be proud of the guys, and I am. Um, so anyway, uh, won't, won't bring you too, down too much here. Uh, I just want to thank you for listening. Uh, you can be sure to subscribe to the feed in iTunes or wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss uh, next week's episode. But um, now... Uh, let's let's move ahead and go ahead and uh, get to the conversation with uh, with Christian. So here is Christian Candler, writer for Reed Southampton. You can follow him on Twitter at American Saint, uh, and the link to that is in the show notes. So here is my conversation with Christian. We'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all the SFC fans. Christian Candler. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at American Saint. Just replace that A after the C with an X. And he writes for Reed Southampton and he lives currently in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Christian, welcome to the show and thank you for joining us on this kind of, you know, awkward uh, Sunday. No, thank you for letting me join. I'm really excited to be here. I, I appreciate it. So obviously we had the, the cup final today. Uh, 8.30 a.m. start for me that makes it 10:30 for you. Yeah. Um not a great way or maybe a great way to start the the day. I was super excited to to kind of watch the, the game and we'll we'll get to all of that. But uh tell us a little bit about about you and about your writing for Reed Southampton. Okay, well, yeah, I'm I'm a college student here in Nashville and I became a Southampton fan really just by watching, you know, I when I really decided to start watching um, soccer, I decided that I didn't want to be a bandwagon, bandwagon Manchester United fan. So I, I just started watching around and I really enjoyed watching, you know, Adam Milana and Luke Shaw and Morgan Schneiderlin and all the, those players back in the day, um, for 
for Southampton. I, that's how I became a Saints fan. And yeah, and so I just I just started writing for Reed Southampton because it was a really nice outlet to talk soccer because I can't really do that here in the States a whole lot. And so I just, it really was just kind of a ask and it happened. So I just, I asked Reed Southampton if I could do it and send them in a piece and the rest is history. Nice. And I know they were, they're still looking for more writers. So just in case nobody or somebody has questions about that process, you know, you reached out to them on Twitter, I'm assuming. And then they asked you, they said, you know, send us a piece and they, you submitted one and, and now you're in. Is that kind of how it worked? Yeah. So, I mean, on their website, there's a little tab that says write for us and you can send them in an article and they'll get back to you. And it's actually kind of funny. Luke Osman, the guy who um, basically edits the Reed Southampton, he recognized my name and like messaged me, then messaged me on Twitter after nice. I sent in the article. Nice. Your yeah. your Twitter handle does stand out a bit, and the uh, James Ward Prowse uh, image, it, like your yours catches my eye, which is exactly I think what it's supposed to do. So as I'm scrolling through all the stuff, I, I I see your stuff quite often. Yeah, that's that that's I I didn't make that. I um, somebody did that for me, and it's it's definitely helped me a lot. I I think just getting out there. Yeah, yeah. And, and just so everybody knows, that we'll, we'll put the, the link to both your Twitter account and the Reed Southampton account and your Reed Southampton page um, in the show notes in case anybody uh, wants to check those out. Um, and so I always like to ask people when you know they're not necessarily living in the UK, what's it like to follow uh, the Saints from where you are? Um, because for me, I, it tends to be a lot of early mornings. Uh, most games start at 7 a.m., some as early as, as 5.30 or 4.30, and I don't mind. But what's it like to follow from, you know, in your case, Tennessee? From from Nashville, it's really, it's it's kind of great. I, I actually really enjoy it, you know. First thing when I wake up, um, you know, the most, I guess the most popular game time, I guess, is 9 a.m. So it's, it's late enough that I'm able to, like, get up and relax a little bit, that I don't have to wake up super early. And I don't mind waking up for the super early games. Um, I remember, I think it was the, the Leicester game was the earliest and that was the 6am kickoff. And that was that, like, that was a great game. You know, I, I love just being able to watch in the mornings and it's, it's really kind of uh, relaxing to be able to just wake up. And first thing I do is, is watch Southampton. Yeah. A 6am start for you is a 4am start for me. And that means I got to be up at like 3.30 to make coffee. And that's like, I get up about 4, 4.15, but like 3.30 is, that's the cutoff. I've, I've tried that. That's too early. Oh yeah. But, um, you know, today when I was down, I drove down to, to LA to watch the, the final and I had to be here for work. And so I, I left my house about 5.30. Uh, I pull up, I park, I walk in and the bar is just packed with, you know, United fans and there, there are seven total, including me, Southampton fans, uh, yeah. and I don't know any of them, but they just start yelling, and then they, you know, they make room at the bar, and so I basically I don't know any of these guys, but I'm I'm there and I'm in, and that's that's kind of I mean that sums up kind of how I feel. Like when people see the jersey or they they uh, they recognize it, they there's always instant kind of like you're one of us. Let's go. Yeah. And and I really, really do like that because there were tons of Man United fans not talking to each other in there. And yeah. now all of a sudden I have, you know, contact information for seven guys that I, <laughs> I you know, that I that I didn't know before. And, you know, over the course of of two hours have, you know, 
shared all kinds of, of stories with and, and, and that, that's something I truly do appreciate and just makes me love the team even more. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, I've, I've met a f- just a few Southampton fans, but it's very much like an, oh my gosh, hey, like, how's it going? Like, it's definitely like it, it bonds people together, you know, being um, Southampton fans. And I even saw a Manchester United fan talking uh, after after the game today, and he said, you know, I've always really respected Southampton. It feels like a, a proper family club. And I really, I really agreed with that statement. You know, I feel like I'm part of a family club, even though I'm um, in, over here in the States. And just when I run into people or talk to other people that have ties to Southampton, it's, it's always just such a great feeling. Yeah. And I, I mean, this is maybe a, more of a, a personal thing for me is I've always been kind of like, you know, worried, like I'm not from Southampton. I don't come from a, like a strong family background of soccer, but I've never one time putting a podcast episode out felt like just people are out there just judging the crap out of me saying like, you, sh- you, sh- you don't deserve to do this. You know, like nobody's ever said like, no, I don't want to come on your podcast because you're from America or whatever, but it's kind of nice. And I, I just appreciate that. Yeah, I totally feel you. I guess, I mean, obviously we're going to talk about the EFL cup final and I guess we should kind of move that way in, in the build up to the match with all the media kind of attention. What did you, what were you expecting going into, into today? Um, and was there anything in the buildup over the past week or so that really kind of stood out with the, the training camp and Caceres or, uh, anything kind of in, in that realm? Um, I mean, I think for me, mostly I was just really curious to see if Caceres would feature at all today, just cause he's been out of action for, for so long and, but he was brought in and he, he is such a talented player and. You know, it was just such a weird circumstance. And so I, I was work, looking at that probably most of all, more than anything else. And, you know, I think that Southampton really did a good job of, like, motivating the fans and, like, hyping the game up. And they, I think they did a really good job, like, putting out really cool videos and just putting out tons of coverage on their Snapchat and just, like, letting the fans get a – Close, close, really close experiences the build up of the game progressed I, I don't use snapchat but you know i follow them on twitter and the the amount of sharing that was going on between fans and the club and all of that stuff it i have never had a team really make a final or a world series or anything else in my adult life and so to have kind of you know it all come down to one game and to see all the build up to that and feel like i was a part of it it was something that I hadn't experienced yet. And to be 31 and have two kids who are going like, why are you like, are you crying? Like watching the video? And it's like, it's like, no, I'm crying because the Titanic music, but, like, yeah. Yeah. but it's like, you know, it's just, it, it is something that I, I will not forget kind of this, this, this cup run in this past couple of weeks, despite the result. Yeah. I am. Um, no. Yeah. I, I was actually in, I, I was actually in class, like the, the professor was talking and I was like watching the, the semifinal of the, um, of the EFL cup and we were playing Liverpool and like, you know, Sims make that Sims makes that run and plays it to long and he scores. And I'm like truly trying to contain myself, not to like draw too much attention as I'm like freaking out in my seat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I 100% cause I, I mean, it's like 1145 for me and I'm like, Oh, like I, I, I just need to go home. Like I'm just too excited <laughs> to do anything, you know? And, and another thing that I really liked was, I mean, fans traveled from everywhere to kind of get to the cup final. 
I saw a post from people from Los Angeles and, and Hawaii and Dubai. And I don't know, I just thought that was really kind of a, a, a cool thing to see people kind of go like, this is a huge deal and we're going and, and that's it. Yeah, that was really cool for me, like to see all those people go in. And, you know, I wish like I wish I could have been one of those people that I was going. There is a me and a couple other guys. There's another American Southampton fan that I talked to and he he was like, we should start GoFundMe pages to go to the game. <laughs> like just trying to get to go. And, you know, it, it's so cool that so many people just from around the world went to the game. Yeah, yeah. And and you wrote a piece recently um, titled What Makes a Saint. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, it, it was more just thanking everybody, like thinking back about Southampton's history, like what got us to this point, like what got us here to the final. And so, you know, I talk about uh, Matt Letissier and all the all the fans that stood at the old Dell and like basically made Southampton and you know Marcus Lieber just when we were down in, in League One and you know coming back up through that whole process just what got us to this point and all those people that made Southampton Football Club what it is today and what makes that that really is what makes a saint really yeah, absolutely. And it, I mean, and I'm so thankful to all of those people, uh, and all of the, you know, the time and the dollars and all that, because otherwise I don't get to experience and enjoy Southampton now living in California, you know, and, and so I, that basically I don't have really have words to, to kind of sum up how I feel about, about all of those people and all the time they invested. But, uh, just to say that I'm, I'm thankful for that. Oh yeah. So Going into in, into the final, uh, kind of moving into the game, actually, did did Puel kind of set out a team that you thought he was going to set out, or did you do you expect something different from him and the rest of the squad? No, that was kind of one hundred percent what I thought was going to happen in the game. You know, I was curious to see if like Buffal would start if he was fit, and then I think the other really big talking point was um, Casiras for Stevens or Yoshida. Um, but I, I expected it to be Stevens and Yoshida. I was curious to see if maybe somebody like Josh Sims would start instead of Ward Prowls, you know, on that outside. But yeah. Yeah. I, I ultimately wasn't surprised that a Ward Prowls got that start. Cause he's been playing really well recently. Yeah. Um, my only, you know, looking at the, at the squad that faced Sunderland in today, my my only kind of thing with him being out there is he's out of position, I think. And yeah. and I think I'm just used to seeing him play a little bit deeper or at least more centrally. Yeah. But I really do like Tadic playing in behind the striker. I think that's that's where he is best suited. I think yeah. putting him out wide, he doesn't I don't know if Tadic quite has the pace to to make an impact the way Redmond can or or uh you know, even even Sims out there. And I and I kind of was worried that if we have Tadic and Buffal on the pitch at the same time, that's that's almost too much of, I don't want to say the same player, but too much of the same type of player. They like to dance. They like to try to, to beat yeah. people one-on-one and, and create space that way. And yeah. so ultimately, I wasn't really shocked with that selection. And I wasn't really shocked about, after I sat back and thought about it for weeks, it seemed like, that, that Stevens got the start over Caceres. Um, yeah. But I, I wavered on that. I mean, online and elsewhere, just forever. I couldn't make a decision, and I was afraid to. But yeah. you know, ultimately, I had—I I think I tweeted earlier this week that I had a nightmare that 
I don't know if it was a nightmare or a dream that we went three at the back. So, so Stevens and Caceres could both play. And I'm like, what, what, like, what kind of a, a decision is that? Please don't do that. And then, you know, they didn't do that. So I was happy. You know, I, I, I do think Stevens is, is quality, you know, he's still young, but like, I mean, you just, none of us know how fit, um, Caceres is. And so there was just that risk in starting him today, I think. Yeah. I don't, I don't think in a, in a final where you, could potentially go to extra time that you can risk having to make an, a substitution for an injured defender, you know, in the 20th minute that doesn't, you know, you're going to need those subs for the guys that are making runs up and down the pitch all day. Not, yeah. you know, so I ultimately, I think it was a good call by Puel. I bet you Caceres comes into the team. Uh, if not next week, then the week, uh, not the week after, cause I think we're off, but soon after that. And if he plays well, the rest of the season, I could see him actually coming in and being, uh, maybe the guy that's that plays next to Van Dyke. Oh, I totally, think that. you know, I, you know, I don't think we as a club, like just like to think it for the short term. I, th- I think, I, I do think he was a short term fix, but I do think he was brought into the team to be here for longer than the rest of the season. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think the, the short term contract is simply to, to see if he can stay fit for, for six months, you know, through constant training and stuff. And if he does, and he keeps his head out of his, you know, wherever it goes sometimes, then I think he'll be, he'll be around for a while. And that'll be, I mean, that'll be a, a pretty, pretty good partnership, you know, Van Dyke and, and, and Caceres together oh, would yeah. be, would be fantastic. And especially with Yoshida, who has now kind of established himself, will be pressing for one of those spots. And so I think that'll make both, both guys work a little bit harder. So, oh yeah, there was the one headline that people were talking about that Kuman wanted United to win. And, my personal thought on that is like, it's, it's not, a, it's not an issue. Like if he, if you ask him, you know, his reasoning was, was, was solid. It was more just the headline. I think that got the attention, but you know, you can never ever, he can never ever say, I want Southampton to win, even though it's going to make it harder for us to get into, into Europe. Like that, that's never, I think he's been pretty clear that he always wants to be in Europe. And so for us to, to kind of expect him to say anything else, I think is, is ludicrous. But um, did you have uh, any thoughts or a different, different thought on that? I just, I don't have a problem with him, like, wanting that because, you know, he wants the best for the club that he is at, um, which is, I mean, obvious and it's what's expected. But I think it's the way that he presented himself doing it that was kind of, um, like, frustrating a little bit, especially, like, with his tweet after the game that made a lot of people mad. Oh, I I, I missed that. Um, Yeah, he tweeted, I don't know exactly what he said, but he was like... he was almost like celebrating like um yes like best thing possible for um best thing possible for Everton and like he was just like he seemed just super excited that Southampton lost see here I am I try to stand up for him a little bit and (laughs) that's what I get just just crassness all the way across the board um but I mean I don't know I don't know if that changes my opinion it just sometimes people can choose their words a little bit better and it just kind of softens the blow you know No, I agree with you on that. Yeah, um, but maybe I mean, and maybe he is digging in a little bit. Maybe he is taking a, taking a shot. And I mean, I mean, the way it all went down when when he left, I, I can imagine him doing that because it didn't sound like it. You know, from what I read, that it went very. You know, it wasn't a nice departure. It was kind of yeah. a you know, well, you know, piss off then, and, and I'm gone. So there it is. Yeah. So I mean. Both of us were watching on TV. I was in an establishment where it was difficult to hear. 
but I was listening to some of the buildup on the way in. Uh, what was your take on the atmosphere that was inside Wembley uh, leading up to the start of the game and maybe reading from some tweets and stuff uh, during, during or leading up to the game? Um, I don't know much about what happened before the game in terms of atmosphere, but I, I, I do know just like seeing videos of, of our supporters and just like seeing videos from inside, like especially during the game, that we ran the atmosphere, that it was us singing all the time, that it was, you know, just constant 90 minutes of Southampton fans singing, singing our songs and that we made the atmosphere really, really, really great inside Wembley. Um, but yeah, I don't know too much about before the, the match started. Um, but it was it was really cool, especially the um, the Marcus Lieber tribute um, in the 62nd minute. You know, holding up all the phones. Right, right. And, and that that was really cool. And we sang the entire game, and we were we were always the loud, the loud ones. And I mean, especially after the game, I heard even after the game that it was the the Southampton fans that were singing and still the loudest, and that it, it the Manchester United fans just really weren't really doing anything. I think that came across. I think that's what I kind of I took from it as well. I mean, it was pretty loud where I was, but there were seven Southampton supporters where I was, and the rest of the establishment was United supporters, and we were louder than them. And that was led by one guy um, just just singing as loud as he could and basically saying, like, this is what we do, and you know, you're going to do it. And yeah. I should give him a shout-out. His name is is Alex Finch, and he is from Southampton. And I mean, we all just kind of took his lead cause I've never been to a premier league soccer game. So I have no idea what the, you know, I'm used to watching at home and trying to be quiet because it's 4am, but like, <laughs> um, you know, he's like, no, like you're going <laughs> to, you're going to drink this and you're going to do this. And, and it was great. And, uh, and, and even afterwards that we were the last, not the last ones in there, but uh, we were, we outlasted many of the Man United fans and even, you know, somebody was walking around taking videos and where are all the United fans at, you know, they're, they're gone. They're, they're only here for the, you know, for the glory and they don't want anything else. And, and so it was, uh, it was exciting. It was kind of funny. And it, I, I think Alex was a good representation of, of every fan that was in Wembley, you know, it meant so much to us. It, it, it really meant so much to us. And it, I think a lot of Manchester United fans couldn't care less um, about about the result, about the League Cup trophy. You know, right? Um, I was I was texting one of my one of my good friends from back home that's a Manchester United fan, and he, I mean, he was kind of like you know he was excited, but it's not like he was you know thrilled. And I I, I just know if we had won, it w- we would have been you know like. It would have been nuts, and that's how it should be for a for a competition like this. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost disappointing that Manchester United fans didn't seem to care that much. But well, I, I I can't I can't judge them or really be. I don't know. I can just be proud of how the Saints fans portrayed themselves and how our club performed, yeah. um, even though the result didn't go our way. And so kind of looking into the first half, you know, essentially the lineups were kind of what we expected, but as the first half started, what did you, what did you make of how Southampton came out, uh, kind of, you know, right from the opening whistle? Yeah, we, we really did. We came out firing, you know, I, um, if, if you had brought in somebody that didn't know anything about anything about soccer, anything about either of the teams and you had 
pointed at the game and let them watch a few minutes and be like, which which team is the better team? They would have said Southampton, and I think that is without doubt. Absolutely, you know, we came, we came out and we were pressing, we we were fighting, we were working hard, we were we were just um, we were really really showing a lot, and you know the um, the I think one of the big moments, I mean, obviously of the game was the offside goal that should have counted. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Like you know, we we should have had that, and I was so angry that they called that off because there's no excuse for that. There's no, there's no excuse for, for missing a call like that. And, um, especially if we had gotten that goal, you know, the entire, the entire game could have looked a whole lot different. Yeah. It's difficult to, because it's difficult to say, you know, how the game would have gone, but I 100% agree with you that I don't think man United has the fight in them to, to necessarily like if they go behind, then, kind of fight back and, and come through you know they kind of went like oh man we got lucky there and yeah. and here we go and I, th- I i agree with you that 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 goal would have changed the rest of the match and i also think that if that goal happens at the other end and forster puts his hand up i think the referee or the uh, you know the linesman leaves his flag down but because it's david de gea who puts his arm up you know <laughs> linesman goes like yep you must be right you know yeah. And, and maybe that's me being a bitter Southampton fan, but that's that's truly how I feel. No, yeah, I, I, there definitely did seem to be a bias towards them. Um, you know, I, I hate to put everything on the on, on the referees, but like that, especially that like that one call. I mean, even just looking at it from the TV, he didn't look he didn't look offside. No, and so like like you just wonder what was going through the the linesman's mind. I mean. Get, if if I try to give him the benefit of the doubt, if I try to give the linesman the benefit of the doubt. It's that whoever's behind Gabbiadini, Bertrand, Bertrand, Bertrand's offside, and so influence it. Yeah, I I agree, <laughs> but uh, maybe the linesman says like, oh, he is somehow interfered with the play. But do- it doesn't make sense to me because he's behind the ball. He never the ball never gets to him. He doesn't he doesn't shield De Gea. He doesn't you know. There's nothing that happens. Yeah. But maybe, you know, he sees the white shirt, he sees the ball go in, he puts his flag up, there it is. What really, like, sort of, um, like, stunned me about that is that the, the head referee didn't, like, talk to him. There wasn't, like, any conversation between them about the call. The way that the head ref and both and the linesman both looked at it was like it was a clear-cut off sides, but it, it really wasn't. It, de- it definitely wasn't. Like, I would have expected, like, on especially in such a big occasion that they like talk about it or like, you know, just make sure everything's clear. But it just seemed like, you know, that was the bias was there, the big club bias. Yeah. Yeah. But ultimately, even at that point, I still felt like we were on top. Oh, I, still yeah. felt, I still felt like I, you know, yeah. our more goals are coming. Um, and then kind of coming out of that, you know, Romeo uh, had the foul. I was actually worried when Romeo went into the book so early. Yeah, I was that 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 genuinely worried me, yeah. um, and I think it was was it from that free kick that Zlatan scored, yeah. or was it a different free kick? Yeah, that was it. It was from that one, and you know I think occasion got to got to him, and he went in a little a little rash. But you know, I mean, if you give a team like Manchester United enough chances, they're going to take them. And that free kick, I think I, I mean, granted I was not in a place to be, you know, analyzing film or anything, but 
it seemed like United worked that pretty well. Like Zlatan knew where he was going to hit it. Um, and that in the wall, it seemed like, like Davis got moved and the United player that was next to him kind of disappeared and gave, gave Zlatan that, that opening. And then he hit it just brilliantly. And, yeah, it was, and there it is. Yeah, it was really well struck. Um, it, it was, I mean, unfortunately, it was it was a really good free kick. And at that point, you know, we're down one nil, and every United fan where I was is basically like, "That's it." And you know, for a, a split second, kind of said like, "This is going to be like Tottenham." You know, we're on top for twenty minutes, we don't score, we go down one nil, the floodgates are open, yeah. and. And then everybody, you know, the, the guys around me were like, no, like we're, they're not going to do that. Like we're, we're going and, and they did. And they, they kind of, they stayed in the game. Um, you know, they wind up going down two nil, but Gabby Adini basically was able to get a, a shot. And, and I think we went into halftime at down two one, correct? Yeah. Yeah. It was two one. And, you know, I think that that was the reason that Ward Prowse was out there is because he can whip in such a good, He's such a good crosser of the ball, and so I think that's why he was out there on the uh, on the wide. And so he did play that really good ball in for Gabby Adini. Um, and you know, we we, we needed a goal. I, I was saying that, like in my apartment, we need a goal before halftime, and we got it. And you know, they they can try to stop Gabby Adini from scoring, but they they can't. <laughs> yeah, and the guy is unstoppable. Like, you know, yeah. there. I mean, there's. I don't really know how to describe it any other way other than the guy is just amazing i i had a couple of doubts with him like coming in because his goal scoring record at napoli wasn't fantastic and so i was a little nervous about him coming in about him being the striker that we would that we would need but he's been absolutely phenomenal yeah um, he he really he's proved me wrong and i'm so happy for it he has basically put any doubts to bed for me yeah Oh, yeah. Another thing about, like, the first half was that, you know, like, Manchester United took their chances, but I also found us coming back to the old thing of us not taking our chances. And I feel like that's been sort of a trip throughout the, throughout the season, and that sort of happened throughout the game, I guess. You know, Tadic had a really great chance um, right at the top of the box, and he sort of shot it straight at De Gea. And then um, Ward-Prowse's... Uh, drive was actually a really great shot, but De Gea saved that as well. Right in the in the first half, Gabbiadini gets the goal in, in first half stoppage time. We go into halftime. Uh, what were your kind of just wrapping up the first half? What were your what were your thoughts um, about the first half? Um, you know, I, I felt really sort of hard done in the first half. You know, we we should have had the goal. We should we should have gone in two two. So um, it, it was just, you know, I felt a little hard done, but I, around the 40 minute mark, I was thinking to myself, like, we really do need a goal before halftime. And then we got that goal through Gabby Adini. And so that, that just, um, morale was high going into the second half. I really thought we could, we could pull the comeback. I kind of felt the same way. Like I felt like we had played much better than them uh, the entire first half. And I, I felt like we, like you said, we really needed a goal going into halftime just to kind of get us back into it because a two goal deficit is, is a lot. And for a team that doesn't score a whole lot of goals that could look insurmountable if we leave it all to the second half. So going in down one, 
you know, we're okay. And then we come out in, in the, at this beginning of the second half and it's, it's just like a continuation of the first. Um, and it leads, you know, to the Gabbiadini second goal in the, in the 49th minute. I might have celebrated for that goal more than I've celebrated for almost any other goal. Like that was phenomenal. That was so good. And like, I don't know, it was, it was through the roof. I'm pretty sure, you know, it was a little bit, it was about 11 o'clock, but I think I might've woken up one of my roommates. (laughs) He deserved it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But that, that was crazy. That was such a, such a cool moment. You know, it was right in front of all the Southampton fans too. And so that was just so cool to see. Yeah, and when that happened, I I really had that feeling. It's the exact opposite of when United scored the first goal, where I had the feeling like oh. this is it. You know, we're we're coming back, we're going all the way with this, and and there's nothing they can do about it. Uh, what did you make of kind of the rest of the second half? Well, like the rest of the second half, we we played well. As the second half did go on, though, I saw us sort of peter out just as it was going on um so like starting out we were amazing and then we just sort of declined a little bit i guess um you know we really we really could have gone up at so many points though um Romeo hit the post um which was was crazy you know just a few inches and we would have we would have been up and then stevens had another really good chance but um ibrahimovic uh, he he blocked it off the line so we, we had our chances, but um, we just unfortunately, it just didn't seem to be, nothing was going in. Um, but we really piled it on, and then just sort of as it did go on, you could tell in the later minutes, we were getting kind of tired. Um, and the, the players were, they, they had given it their all, and just we, we did peter out a little bit towards the end. Yeah, no, every single player on the pitch was, you know, had put in everything they had. And I think it was evident. It was evident in, in the way the game went. And it was evident in the later stages of the game that we were maybe going to struggle to try to find that, that last, you know, push to kind of make it happen. You know, eventually, uh, Buffal comes on for Tadic. Uh, they bring on Rashford for Lingard. And I don't know. I think, I think bringing Buffal on with, with about that much time is left. It gives him a chance to create something. Um, and then eventually Gabby Dini comes off. And what did you make of Gabby Dini coming off uh, for long? At that point, I really was like, I, I thought it was justified a little bit. Gabby Dini had given absolutely everything. And, you know, um, I mean, I thought, I thought it was a pretty good sub just because of Long's ability to provide that extra energy and extra like spark. That would have been great against the tired Manchester United defense, and so to me, on paper, it looked it looked like a good substitution. But I mean, I guess hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, well, it's tough to bring Gabbiadini off, I think, because yeah. of kind of how he had been playing, and even in the pa- in the past few matches and in this match, and I wasn't convinced that United was was totally dominating, you know, if I felt like United was just peppering our goal, then maybe, maybe we do bring on long and hope we hit him on the break. But I, I I didn't quite feel that way, but I agree with that. But at the same time, I I don't think that substitution has anything to do. 
unless I'm just completely forgetting something. I don't really think it had much to do with, with Latan's goal. I think that came more from us kind of failing to, to close down the guy on the wing and, and once again, you know, leaving a center forward open in the box and unmarked. Yeah. I mean, you know, there, there's so many ifs in in, in a game like this, you know, you can always go, Oh, if this happened, but you know, if we had gotten Caceres a little bit earlier, then, you know, he might've been fit for the game or, you know, if we had, if Van Dyke wasn't hurt, you know, maybe Ibrahimovic doesn't score. Um, I do just want to like mention Forster. I don't want to put the blame on him, but he definitely put us in a couple of bad situations, uh, like closer to the end. Like I remember him giving the ball away. Um, pretty like, do, do you remember that moment that I'm talking about where he just sort of like almost passed it out to the side and gave it to uh, whoever was out there on the wing for Manchester United. And they almost got a goal. Off of that. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And I remember like just a moment, a lapse in judgment. Yeah. Um, and, and then, yeah, I do. I do remember that. And then Zlatan's header, I mean, is, I mean, it's right at him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't want to put too much blame on Forster, but I definitely think he could have done a little bit better. Um, on on the goals and you know if the goalies were switched and we had De Gea I think we stopped one or two of their goals and you know we probably would have scored more um, but you know he's he's been out of confidence this this whole season really it seems like but you know if we had I also do think if we had one of two starting center backs either Caceres or Van Dyke being able to play, I think we would have won the game as well. Yeah. Um, you know, not taking anything away from Yoshida or Stevens, they played, they, they played their hearts out. Like, you know, but they, there is something different about having Van Dyke there and somebody of Caceres' quality, um, Mm -hmm. That Van Dyke's the best defender in the Premier League this season. I would, yeah, I would 100% make that argument. Um, and, you know, it, it's it's unfortunate, but, you know, I guess just watching the way the team played, I couldn't ask really for anything else from oh, them. No, no. They, they gave their hearts out. They, they played so well. It just ugh, wasn't meant to be, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, just after that, we bring on J-Rod, and they were going to bring on Rooney, and then they uh, they brought on Fellaini instead. Um, and at that point, the some of the guys in, in the bar started singing, like, we have, you're bringing on Fellaini, and we're going to get a penalty or something. And it was it made me laugh, but at the same time, I was really, I wanted to cry because, you know, it was 89th minute, and, you know, and it, it, we didn't really create a chance after that, and that was pretty much it. And, yeah. you know, like I said earlier, the at that point, uh, the establishment emptied uh, of all the United fans and, you know, the, the, f- the few Southampton fans were there. And I think that was, ev- uh, the same goes for the people in the stadium. They, they, yeah. they were there, they were loud, they were singing. Um, and they showed a good, a great deal of respect for, um, the way everybody played. And that's, I don't know, that's something that I worry or I think about, I don't worry about, but I think about, um, is, I guess it's, it's, it's kind of hard to decide do you get caught up in the fact that you lost the final? Or do you kind of focus on the the number of positives that are there and the number of basically the number of good things that were out there and the effort that was put forward? Can you can you balance those? I'm not saying you have to pick one or the other, but can you balance those and kind of say like, yeah, I really wish we would have won, but 
I can look at all these things and really be kind of proud and, and, and think we're going to move forward out of this. Uh, this doesn't have to be necessarily a, a setback, you know? Yeah. I am so proud of, of the team and, and what they did during the game. You know, we outperformed and we outplayed them and we, I, I'm just, I'm so proud of them. And I think we can take a lot of positives from this, from this match. Puel and the, the rest of the management, they have sort of a job on their hands. You know, we did, we did so well um, in the game and we can look at that and be like, Hey, we deserve to win. And maybe we could wear that on our sleeves the rest of the season and go out there and prove it to everybody. Um, but we need to just make sure we channel that mentality in, in the right way and make sure it doesn't come back to, to bite us. And we don't go in with, with these doubts and w- with the loss, you know, it's, it, it, it was a rough result to take and we just need to, make sure we channel our mentality in the right way from that. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's going to take a few days, I'm sure for the players to get over that. Um, I don't think there's any way you can play that hard in a match like that and come out, you know, second best and just wake up in the morning and be okay with it. But yeah. I think, you know, the further we get away from it a couple days down the road, um, I know even just today, my kind of perspective on it has, has changed a little bit. But I, I think that they can they can do that. And I, I think they can move forward from this and uh, hopefully take that that effort and, and, and realize they only have, you know, 13 more games in the Premier League. And and that's it. You know, that that's the entire season. We can get into Europe still. We can. We can get into that seventh place spot. Um, and take it from from Everton. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be something. Like I, re- I really do think we can. We have the talent. We have. We fixed all of our problems seemingly that we need to. We got a goal scoring forward. Um, we are we're gonna have a solid defense. I really can see us getting into a really good or decent league position um, at the end of the season from from what we've got. Yeah, um, you know, and I had said on a previous uh, episode that I would be kind of happy with uh, a, a League Cup win, but then also a, a top half finish. Yeah, um, I'd be okay with that. But I think, and I don't want to say now that we've lost because I think, I think you know we could have played poorly and won, and I wouldn't necessarily feel as good about the team as I do right now. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, it's a great way of putting it. I mean, trophies, trophies are something, there's something to be said. And, but right now I'm pretty happy with the way the team is performing. And so if those, if, if we continue to play like that, I, I see no problem with us getting in the top half of the table and, you know, possibly challenging for um, that seventh position, which would just make it so sweet to, t- to take it from Everton. Um, you know, not, nothing against what Kuman tweeted uh, and we talked about it earlier, but it would be nice to just come back and kind of say like, well, you know, that, that, that European place is ours. So yeah. we'll just, it it was taken from us once and we'll take it from you now. So, oh yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. You have any, you have any other thoughts on, on the match or, or anything like that? I just, I keep thinking back to it and I'm, I really am so, so proud of the team. We, we handle ourselves with, with class and, and dignity. We were the better fans. We were the, the better team um we just we handled ourselves better and i think i think even for the neutral fan coming out of the game we gained a lot of support 
and just just from the way we handle ourselves in the game you know there's the um there's the the picture that came out it was going around a little bit today but it was of um it was of a rashford and pogba shushing cedric at the end of the game and i think that just sort of personified like just sort of the animosity that people felt um towards united after the game you know it put it put them in such a a poor light after the game and we just handled ourselves with so much better and i really i don't that picture looking at that picture made me uh, pretty angry actually just the way that they thought of themselves compared to compared to us and you know we we can come out holding our heads high and i just um to, to, to every fan that was there to every to every player we can go out with our heads held high even with even with the result and you know hopefully this this really pushes the rest of our season forward yeah yeah i i agree i agree and i think we will i i I think we'll we'll carry this on other than winning you know i don't i don't really see a better a better match that we could have played yeah uh, other than simply just coming out on top but you know there it is and next week we're uh we play watford they currently are one point ahead of us after drawing with west ham uh, at the weekend uh, but we have a chance to jump over them and and possibly, I believe it's Burnley, uh, just above them, uh, depending on how all the results go this weekend. So, yeah, I can completely see us doing that. Like, like I have no problems or issues thinking that we might struggle with Watford, and that just might be my ignorance from the from the previous game. But I really could see us going there and winning confidently and just moving up the table. Yeah, I mean it. If all goes well, and I don't, I don't necessarily think it's going to happen, but we could find ourselves in tenth place. Yeah, maybe maybe ninth place, uh, depending on how it all goes. But I mean, that's I think that's asking a lot. I think right now we just concentrate on the on the Watford game and let everything sort itself out. You know, one game at a time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't have that many left, so one at a time is the season's still going to go by uh, pretty quickly. I think. Yeah, but um. I don't know. I, I thank you. Thanks for for doing this. And uh, I know the timing was was a mess. No problem. I'm I'm happy to work with you. I'm happy to be here. Um, you know, this has been this has been fun. As much as as my schedule is kind of getting in the way, I I think I needed to do this. This was you know because I was just yeah. sitting there thinking about it you know all day when I should be thinking about you know other stuff. But it's uh this has definitely been on my mind. So it's been good to kind of talk about it and you know, get, get another perspective on it. And, and I, I just appreciate uh, you being willing to, you know, set aside the time to do this. No, no problem. I wish we could be talking about this in, in a much better circumstance, but you know, needed yeah. to need to get this off my chest and you know, this is, this has been a fun way to do it. I, I really enjoyed being on here. Yeah. No, I will. I'll definitely have you back on uh, in the future. Thank you so much. All right, man. I'll, uh, I'll talk to you next time. See you too. See you, man. Later. And that was my conversation with Christian Candler. Uh, writer for Reed Southampton. Uh, we want to thank him for coming on the show and, and putting up with uh, my schedule. We had to record this over uh, two separate sessions uh, because I got pulled away. And, um, you know, he's up at, at after midnight uh, doing this with me, and I, I, I truly do appreciate it. Um, and, and that's pretty much it. You know, I, I think that the final's over. Uh, the performance we gave was something that I will not forget. Um, something that I will still look back fondly on, uh, despite the result. And, uh, I can only be proud of, uh, of the guys and, uh, of the fans that were there. And I'm proud to be a fan alongside, 
uh, everybody who was there. And uh, I think I think Christian is too. And I think when choosing a club, I think I, I definitely chose the right one. And uh, I'm proud to to be a uh, a saint. So that that that's all I have to say uh, about that. So uh, you can follow Christian on on Twitter at uh, American Saint. Uh, you can also follow uh, Reed Southampton at Reed Southampton. Uh, the links to all those things are in the show notes, so be sure to check them out. And you can follow the show at SFC Delivery. That's at SFC, D-E-L-L underscore I-V-E-R-Y. Be sure to give the show a follow and uh, help spread the word about the show. We'll be back next week uh, looking back at the Watford game uh, with uh, some guys from the Ugly Inside. So I want to thank them for uh, agreeing to come on the show and uh, want to make sure that we thank Matt over at the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. He was our guest last week, but he was also the guy who designed and did our artwork. So we want to thank him for uh, for doing that and uh, hope he had a good time and a safe flight back to Barcelona uh, as he was at Wembley on Sunday. So uh, thanks to, to Matt and be sure to check out the page We Are Southampton on Instagram. That link is also um, in the show notes. If, if you never have read the show notes, there are actually things there. You should You should look at them. You know, maybe maybe just one time, but there there are things there you can you can click on and it goes places. So, anyway, that'll pretty much do it for this episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markstone. Until next time, remember that together we march on. One more thing before we go, just want to remind you that you can subscribe to our feed uh, in iTunes or wherever you get your podcast to be sure that you do not miss an episode. So subscribe, please. I don't really want to beg you, but I feel like I might already be doing that.